Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. Merry Christmas. This is Barton Claus, and this is Wagering Week. That's right. We are Wagering Week, and this is our Christmas edition, our holiday edition, and we're dropping this a little bit early. Normally, we wait until the weekend, but we got so many games on tap that we have to get into it. Facebook and Twitter, we want to hear from you guys. Go to Facebook and Twitter, Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. Make sure you use the hashtag, hashtag S-G-N, to get in touch with us, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. And what are we doing today? We're going to talk a lot about the NFL next week. Make sure you guys pay attention. I'm going to have my big bowl game preview. We're going to release it on Monday, so you're going to get all of the bowl games going right up into the championship game. The way that you get that anywhere that you listen, probably right the way that you're listening right now, but anywhere that podcasts are, that's where we'll be my big, giant bowl game. And make sure you subscribe to us so you can listen in and you know you help us out on that end. All right, let's get right into it here, guys. The first thing before we go into any NFL news... We are going to have an NHL season, right? This is what we have tentatively right now. The puck will drop on January 13th. Trade deadline April 12th. End of the regular season is May 8th. Expansion draft July 21st. NHL draft July 30, uh, 23rd through the 24th. Free agency goes in the 28th and 29th, right? That's what we're doing right here. That means we will have NHL very soon. That's a good feeling to have. And the NBA started this week. We know they started with some hiccups, we'll say, uh, having to cancel games. And, you know, some of these guys are in strip clubs and whatnot. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins and James Harden. Uh, it, it is what it is, okay? I'm not going to sit here and just rip them apart for the next hour. I probably could, but I won't do that. It, we're going to have hiccups. We're going to have problems. When we spoke to Ryan E. about the hockey bubble, Basically, he laughed at the notion. He said there's 0% chance that the players would ever deal with a hockey bubble again. So when people are bringing up the NBA bubble, I expect the reaction to be exactly what Ryan Yee, our hockey expert, brought up. Uh, would be the same thing with the NBA. There's no way they could do a bubble. So we're going to have to deal with it almost like we dealt with it in college football this year. There's going to be cancellations. There's going to be problems. There's going to be postponements. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. There's going to be idiots running around and doing whatever they want. There's going to be people that are throwing masks down your throat. Look, I don't care where you stand on the division here. It doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I'm somebody that uh, I can tell you personally, I'm careful. I wear a mask, but I wish I didn't have to be told to and forced down my throat. So I'm in the middle of the road. I think most Americans kind of are there. Um, the NBA players, they're, they're going to screw up. Don't vilify them massively and throw them out, but also understand, look, they're going to screw up kind of situation. So that's where the NBA is. We do have NHL coming back, and MLB hot stove is starting to heat up a little bit. I was talking to our MLB guy, Mark, and he's saying, you know, listen, I think hot stove is going to get going. So all of that is coming up, but we still have the NFL season. And looking back, all anybody wants to talk about is the J-E-T-S can't even lose right. I mean, Jets, Jets, Jets. That, it, 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 the chant should go from J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. It's almost like J-E-T-S, oh, Jets, Jets, uh, Jets. I mean, isn't that the way that it, it, it is here? There are a rip, there's ripple effects here. We spoke to Gary Myers at length last week, and one of the things that he said is how attractive the job was for a head coach getting Trevor Lawrence. Well, that's gone. 
the attractiveness is gone. Bringing in free agents to play with Trevor Lawrence. You have big-time wide receiver free agents out there this year. Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson. Uh, it's a little less attractive for them as well. And then the whole idea that you're in the number two spot. Can the Jets work this in their favor? Look, a competent general manager can take a number two pick with the most salary cap under their belt and make this a phenomenal draft year and turn this team around in a hurry. But it is the Jets. And while I like this general manager, um, there's a lot to be done, a lot of work, and it was just an easier, linear path when you had the number one overall pick. When you had the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence would attract a high-profile head coach. You get the head coach, you get Trevor Lawrence, then you get some big-time guys that want to play with this generational talent. Even if he doesn't produce on the field, his name alone will bring people in. I mean, that was the linear approach. Now, it doesn't look like the Jets are going to get the number one overall pick. They're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to be smart. What do you do with the two number two pick? Do you go take Zach Wilson, who I've been screaming for for a while? Do you take you know Mr. Fields, who... Everybody loved you. Take, uh, you know, him. Do you go with uh, one of the Heisman Trophy finalists in Jones or Trask? Do you even go a quarterback there? You, do you stay with Sam Donald and you go get Penny Sewell, who is the clear offensive lineman? What about getting a defensive guy? Maybe you trade out. Trade out makes sense. Trade down. Go get one of those quarterbacks anyway. Maybe you keep Sam Donald. You could conceivably get like four first-round picks. Remember, the Jets have two first-round picks already. Trade Sam Donald, you get a third. Trade all of a sudden, you know, you move down, you get a fourth. This could be phenomenal for the Jets to go number two, but the thing is that there's got to be a lot of movement. So that's on the Jets' front. Let's talk about the games that are actually taking place and actually at hand. Now, we never really get to sit back and talk about a Thursday night game. Um... It's on Christmas. We understand that a lot of eyes are probably not going to be there. You're going to be knee-deep in wrapping paper. By the way, I'm a dad, man. Isn't the coolest dad thing ever to do, or not cool, is to just pick up the wrapping paper as soon as it hits the floor. Like, it hits the floor, boom! Put it in the back. Hits the floor, boom! Put it in the back. But you're going to probably be knee-deep in wrapping paper and, you know, trying your, your new toys out and uh, not those kind of toys. And, and doing all kinds of stuff. Maybe this is a game that gets blown by and you don't really pay attention to it. Don't do that. Because New Orleans is at home against Minnesota. It's a game where New Orleans feels like they they need a get-right game. They could sit back and probably not even play Week 17 because it looks like if Green Bay wins, they'll be locked into that spot. They got to get a get-right game. This is at home. It's against a team that there's massive bad blood, right? I mean, we know there's bad blood between these two franchises. Drew Brees is back. You want to get him healthy. For you fantasy guys, I think Kamara has a really big big game. And for Minnesota, look, it's not really prime time because it's 4.30 uh, in the afternoon here on the East Coast. But it's another kind of primetime game for Kirk Cousins, right? National stage kind of game. He does not perform well here. The line opened up at 6.5. It jumped up to 7. You could still get it at 6.5 in a couple of spots. I know Circus Sports and DraftKings still have it at 6.5. I think it's New Orleans or nothing here. I know New Orleans uh, showed a little bit of problems last week. It's New Orleans and nothing. I can't see any way and any path for me to be taking Minnesota in this spot. Let's go on to the Saturday games. We have three on tap. Detroit, Tampa Bay. This Tampa Bay line surprises me. Tampa Bay has not looked good. They can't run the ball. Um, Even when they have looked good, they've looked less than stellar out there. The wide receivers are getting into a position where they all seem to be putting up bad stat lines week in and week out. People questioning Brady. I, look, they had a get-right game, and they didn't overly 
backflip impressed me, right? So this line opened at seven. It's up to nine and a half on the road against Detroit. Now, Detroit is a bad defense. But Detroit's main problems on defense lie in the run. They cannot stop the run. Tampa Bay doesn't run the ball. They don't even try at this point to run the ball. They're not even playing around where they run the ball. Well, that's a problem. Now, on the Detroit side, Kenny Galladay always banged. Every week I go, Kenny Galladay, questionable, and then he doesn't play. I don't know why they just didn't sit this guy down. Kenny Galladay uh, is a free agent this year. He hasn't done himself any favors, but why would he go out there and get hurt and push himself for a last-place team in a bad spot like this? Detroit's playoff hopes are done. Don't let anybody talk to you about any of that garbage. Matt Stafford's playing through. I mean, the, the amount of injuries that this guy plays through, but he is playing through them. Detroit is a bad team. This is an easy win for Tampa, so you would think. But it is a road game. They are giving nine and a half. And Tampa has all sorts of problems. And that big problem of not being able to, and forget about not even being able to, not even attempting to run the ball has to be a big giant circle here. You've got to put that in and say, well, you know, this has got to be a worry. If you were asking me to win the game, I'm taking Tampa Bay all the way all, all day to win. But on the road? laying near double digits against a feisty team, and that's the Detroit Lions. You know, you look at this Lions team and you go, why are they playing so hard? But they're still playing hard, especially for the new coach. So I think that's a dangerous game. I think Tampa Bay wins. I would like, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I would like to see Tampa Bay go in there, have no problems, reestablish that their defense is phenomenal, and just squash this team. I just don't know if they have that in them right now. I'm not sure about this. This Tampa Bay team is one of the hardest teams to judge on the year. <clears throat> Funny enough, Tampa Bay and New England, two hardest teams to judge this year. Two hardest teams. And you look at Tampa Bay, I'm just not sure. Let's go to San Francisco, Arizona. Man, Raheem Mostert is mad at people online. He doesn't like fantasy players. All he say, oh, I won't get hurt. I'm not going to go play. People are probably bashing him, blowing up his inbox because of a fantasy player. Uh, but guys are coming back for San Francisco. Looks like George Kittle will play. That's pretty cool, right? I like George Kittle. But why is he coming back? I don't know. It, you know, you kind of ask yourself, why is he coming back? I, then the quarterback room gets a little dicey. You have C.J. Beathard, you have Garoppolo looking over their shoulder. They're going, okay, Mullins is there. Now they bring in Josh Rosen. Is he the answer? San Francisco's in a rough way. It looks like Richard Sherman's going to miss the game. They've been banged up and hurt all year long. They're getting five points against Arizona, though. And this is an Arizona team that they're clinging to a playoff spot. They're clinging to a playoff spot. And I don't think that they're a playoff team you know, you could sit back and tell me, oh, Kyler Murray is the guy. Oh, sure, your argument's going to be, oh, man, Kyler Murray is really good. I'm not saying that he's not good. He is really good. The defense has actually been okay, but it's okay. I don't believe that this team is a playoff team, even though the where it sits right now, they're in the playoffs. Where it sits right now, the Arizona Cardinals are 8-6. and six. They're one game in front of the Bears. <clears throat> Arizona... Only minus five here. I think San Francisco has a lot of spoiler in them. Cliff Kingsbury uh, against Shanahan, that's almost personal, right? I mean, Shanahan was the next up-and-coming guy. Now comes Kingsbury. Kingsbury, he hasn't won anything. Cliff hasn't won anything. And we also saw last week, you talk about the Arizona Cardinals defense, and you go, oh, sure, you know, uh, they, they've played well. Yeah, they played well against the Giants and Colt McCoy, okay? Uh, the Rams the week before put up 
38 on them. Cam Newton beat them, okay? Before that, 28 by Russell Wilson. Josh Allen put up 30 in a game that they should not have won. The Dolphins put up 34. Seahawks before that put up 34. So you're talking about 34, 34, 30, 28, 38. The only two teams that did, and, and then last week Jalen Hurts put up 26. Jalen Hurts put up 26 and he probably should have put up 30 because Dallas Goddard's got to catch that in the end zone. So they're consistently putting up like 30 points against them on defense. I don't want to hear that this defense, oh, they're feisty, they're tough. Yeah, they are. But without Chandler Jones, they don't have a pass rush and they've been abused. Take out Colt McCoy. Who, it's fun to say that the Giants are, are, you know, a team. Look, Giants offense is just bad. Colt McCoy is not a starter in this league. He's a, he's a good guy. Everything I hear, he's a coach on the field. About He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. And let's just be honest, neither is Cam Newton. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL either. So you have the Arizona Cardinals defense living on a situation where they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, this defense is all of a sudden good. Oh, yeah, this defense is good. Are they really? Where do you see that? So I worry about them. And you get to San Francisco, I know that they're banged up, and that's a big problem. How much uh, will they go out there and kind of put their guys? But the fact that I hear that George Kittle might start, oh, that means something to me. Now, the Cowboys put up 41 on this defense. That's a lot. Okay, that's a lot. But look at who they've played. The Cowboys was a tough back-and-forth battle. Uh, Cowboys are the Cowboys. They played Washington, real tough defense before that. The Bills, many would argue the second-best team in the NFL right now. The Rams in L.A. and played within a field goal. Actually won that game. Uh, The Saints in New Orleans. The Packers before that. Seattle in Seattle. You go back, they've played Seattle, the Packers, the Saints, the Rams. Those are the four best teams in the NFC. Then they took on the Bills. That's the second best team in the NFL right now. Then Washington, then Dallas. So it's hard to make a case for this San Francisco team being all that bad. George Kittle coming back. If Mostert plays, you got to lean San Francisco with the points. I know everybody's going to load up on Arizona. I'm leaning San Fran. And then you have the night game. And the night game is the Miami Dolphins and their feel-good story going to Vegas. First of all, Derek Carr, who was supposed to be out for like the season, uh, practiced in full this week. You think that he's not afraid of his job with Marcus Mariota hanging around? But let's talk about Miami Dolphins. First of all, from a betting standpoint, we love you, Miami. You're the number one covering team in the league this year. And you look at the Miami Dolphins with nine wins. It's a shame because they got the Raiders and the Bills next, both on the road. There is a chance the Miami Dolphins could win 11 games and not make the playoffs. If they lose this game, it's basically an elimination game. Just because you look at the schedules of Cleveland and Baltimore, who they'd be fighting with, Tennessee and Indy have tiebreakers. Miami's got to win out. And they still might win out and still may not make the playoffs. They beat up on the Patriots last week in a game it was 22-12, to and, and they just they dominated there defensively. Cam Newton is, is garbage. I get that. But their defense looked really, really good. You look at Xavier Howard. He is the defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. He leads the league in interceptions. He's got nine straight. Picked up a ball last last week. They, they kind of got screwed or else he would have had another touchdown on the defensive side. This defense is phenomenal. And give full credit to Brian Flores for making this defense that good. The week before, they played within six points to the Chiefs. So they played a good defensive game against the Patriots, played within six to the Chiefs. Guys, that's a good game. Beat the Bengals, beat the Jets. I know that. They lost to the Broncos. That's a first true road game for Tua. I'll I'll be okay with that. Now, they haven't played elite competition. Chargers, uh, Rams, Cardinals, Jets. 
But their losses, three of their five losses, guys, came in the first month of the season. At New England, Buffalo by three, Seattle by eight. I mean, this team is really, really under the radar, even with all that they're doing. And if you take out Patrick Mahomes, which I think you have to, Okay, in this league nowadays, I think you have to take Patrick Mahomes out of the equation because he's just such an anomaly. Patrick Mahomes put up 33 on this defense. Take that out. Here's what the Miami Dolphins have done. They held teams to 12, 7, 3, 20, and 21. And now the Cardinals put up 31. Before that, Rams 17, Jets 0, Niners 17. You're talking about a string, right? You're talking about about a ridiculous string of the last 10 games. Eight of the last 10 opponents haven't scored more than 21 points. And you're also talking about three of the last four haven't crossed 12 points. Now they're taking on a Vegas team. And this Vegas team has some good offensive weapons. Their defense is garbage. Now, we watched Tua be able to elevate when they let him elevate. When they let Tua elevate, he's there. And Brian Flores basically said, look, turnovers lose games. And I'm not going to make Tua be put into a position to turn the ball over. So they're perfectly happy with what they're doing. Oh, by the way, Miles Gaskins is coming back. Devontae Parker should be healthy. Let's talk about the Raiders, though. You want to talk about bad defense? They're up 30 to the Chargers, 44 to the Colts, 28 to the Jets, 43 to the Falcons, 35 to the Chiefs. And this is what their defense has been. They've lost four of the last five. In all of those games, allowed 28 or more points. In all of the losses, 30 or more points. They've allowed 43 or more points in two of the last four games. Their defense is terrible. I'm not sure why this line is where it is. To me, Miami has to win this game. They are in a must-win spot. They have the clear clear, better defense. And I don't want to hear the talk that Mariota is better than Derek Carr, because Derek Carr has had a very good year. A very good year. I don't think that this Las Vegas defense, uh, this Las Vegas offense, can run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, it's going to be throwing all day. I don't care if it's Mariota back there, or if it's a banged-up Derek Carr. If you double-cover Waller, I mean, th- you're shutting them down. And what do you think? Do you think that any of these guys, any of them, are going to be a threat to a guy like Howard and Jones back there, this Miami defense is for real. And the Vegas defense is just non-existent. I'm not sure why the line is only minus three. This is a must-win playoff game for Miami. It may be on the road, and it may be in prime time, and it may be after Christmas, and all of the kind of reasons you're trying to find for Vegas. This is, if you believe in Miami, who has given up gifts all year long, All year long, Miami has given us gifts. They are the number one covering team in the NFL. If you believe at all in the Miami Dolphins, this is a game that not only are they going to win, they're absolutely going to dominate in every facet. So we do have a good slate of games. I'm I'm glad we could talk about Saturday games, you know. Uh, on some of the other shows, I do my weekend show. Uh, You guys can listen into that. But uh, on the Wagering Week, sometimes we don't get into these games. You, You can make some money leading into the Sunday games. I do lean towards Miami of the best bets here. All right, guys, that's all in the future, though. And we're going to take a, a quick time out and come back and talk about more future, more stuff all on Sunday, right after this on Wagering Week. 
Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at my bookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're getting close to talking about the Super Bowl, thinking about the Super Bowl. Well, I got the odds for the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I'm telling you right now, there's uh, some discrepancies in the odds. Let's go to number one. The Packers are leading the way at plus 350. Makes sense. They're the number one overall seed. The Saints, not far behind at plus 375. They were the placeholder for a while. Plus 375. Then you get into the next tier. The next tier are the Bucks at plus 650, the Seahawks at plus 650, and the Rams at plus 900. That is what are the odds. Now, I said there's a little discrepancy. Look, the Packers at 350 make a lot of sense, and the Saints at plus 375. I, I think that they are neck and neck. I think on a neutral field, uh, you look at these two teams and you go, neutral field, uh, I'll take the Saints, but if they have to go up to Lambeau, uh, okay, I understand those two lines. Seahawks and the Bucks at plus 650, plus 650, and the Rams are plus 900. How are the Rams plus 900, the Seahawks plus 650, but this week's line is a one-point game in Seattle? So there, there's, some, there's some shadiness there. There's some question marks to be had there. Um, if I had to put my money on it right now, I, I know nobody asked, but I'm sure you guys are wondering. You know, if I had to put my money on it right now, and I'm looking at the NFC, and I'm just assuming at this point, um, you know, that the Bears and the Cardinals will battle that out, and I'm going to assume that Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, Washington, the Rams, Bucks, Arizona get in. I'm not touching Arizona or Washington, no way, not even in a weird year. Uh, you know, you, you can't go with Green Bay. Their schedule is just so weak, guys. It's so weak. It's the same thing last year. I took flack all year long during the regular season. Everybody telling me, Packers, Packers, Packers. I said, their schedule sucks. It's just a weak schedule. And here we go, playoff time. I can't go near the Packers. I have the Saints before the season to make the Super Bowl. I see problems with the Saints. They are probably my pick to go to the Super Bowl right now, but at plus 375, I don't see a lot of value there. Seahawks. Their defense looks fixed. Russell Wilson looks good. He can he step up his game? I'm not loving them. I actually would prefer to take the Bucks at plus six fifty over them. A lot of it by Tom Brady esque. I think Brady against Wilson would be a good game, but I'm not sold on the Bucks and their inability to run. The team that I would take right now, guys, is the Rams plus nine hundred. Now I'm not putting my money on this. I'm not telling you. But that's who I would take right now, strictly because of value, 
strictly because of value. I do think that the NFC Championship game is going to be the Saints against either the Rams or Seattle. Maybe the Bucks sneak in there. I don't believe in Green Bay. And until I see the Bucks being able to run, I'm not sure I believe in them either. They have the potential. But I don't see much. In the AFC, is it even worth talking about? I mean, people are going to talk about Miami and, and Baltimore and the Raiders. I don't even know, you know, if Raiders aren't making it. Uh, Miami might not make it. Indy, I can't believe that Phillip Rivers is going to go outdoors and win a game. Cleveland, I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield. Uh, Tennessee's a team that could get hot, but that defense is just garbage. Pittsburgh, whew, the spiral continues. I mean, it's Kansas City-Buffalo, right? I mean, it is Kansas City, Buffalo. And if you really want to be like that, look, I got money on the Bills, okay? Uh, if you really want to be like that, it's Kansas City, right? I mean, it's Kansas City against whoever decides to come out of the NFC. I think the NFC will be fun, at least. At least it'll be fun. All right, let's go through some more of these games here. Keep the rundown together. Let's start it off with that Kansas City team. Atlanta, Kansas City, you look at these two teams. Falcons are 0-7 against the spread, 1-6 straight up in road games against NFC opponents. They are against AFC opponents. They're an NFC team that plays in a dome. It's going to have to go outdoors. I know it's not the same thing without the crowd in Kansas City, but it doesn't matter. It's still Kansas City. The worry with Kansas City is this, is that for a year and a half, they were the best covering team in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, they failed to cover six straight. That means the market corrected. And you start to see the market correct, the public correct, the lines makers correct, and now the Chiefs are a little overvalued. Uh, Chiefs are laying 11 here. 11's a big number. It opened at 12, went down to a 10.5, and, a half, and it's just sitting at about 11. 11's a big number. That's a big number to ask to cover from a team that just doesn't cover. The past two games they've been favored by double digits. They have not covered after covering for so long. The market has corrected here. Jets, Cleveland, you want to talk about a big number? Cleveland minus nine and a half. And I know it's the Jets, it's the Jets, it's the Jets. They stink, they're terrible, blah, 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 blah. Talk to me about the Jets, how bad they are. I know, I know the Jets are terrible. But they're at home. And getting nine and a half is just something I'm not willing to do with Cleveland right now. This is the eighth time since the beginning of the 2019 season that the Browns have been a road favorite. Out of those last seven games, they're one in six against the spread. They don't cover as road favorites. For whatever reason, they don't cover. Now, I know they did it against the Giants last week. That was it. That's their one. That's their one, right? That's the the one that they go back to. And it's the Jets. Look, the Jets are 0-7 straight up at home. They're 5-9 and uh, nine against the spread on the season. It's tied for the second-worst mark. It's the Jets. I don't think you can go near this game. The question is, do you believe in Baker Mayfield as all of a sudden turned the corner and he's this this guy? I don't believe that. I don't think Baker Mayfield all of a sudden is that guy. But he might be against the Jets. I just don't like laying that number. I think it's a big number. Indy-Pittsburgh, it's one of the best games of the day. I'm not going to say it's the best game, but it's one of the best games of the day. And, and Pittsburgh is reeling, reeling. Pittsburgh is in bad shape right now. Ben Roethlisberger held a meeting this week where he told the media it was a players-only meeting, but it wasn't because of the three-game skid. It was a players-only meeting, but don't think that it was because of a three-game losing streak. It was a players-only meeting, but, and he kept saying it wasn't because of the losing streak. My answer, my question is, why not, Ben? Why not? Is it because you're missing guys all over the place? Because you can't throw. But I almost don't blame Ben because they can't run the ball. Now, Benny Snell did look a little bit good against Cincinnati, but whoo, those passes by Ben were terrible. And then you got the Colts. The Colts are still kind of a mirage to me. They have a great offensive line, really good head coach. They finally found a running game. They got a good defense. I don't believe that Phillip Rivers can win in a big spot. This is going to be outdoors against Pittsburgh, against that big defense. This is going to prove a lot to me about who Phillip Rivers is this year. A lot. The Colts, they've lost six games as underdogs. 
They just don't do well there. But they're 5-1 and one against the spread overall. The Steelers, they have gone four straight games without covering. We know their problems. How about one of the best trends that I love in sports? Not in football, in sports. And that is coming into play in Carolina and Washington. Now, the football team, which is ridiculous, by the way. I hate that name. But the football team opened up as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Then it was pulled off the board. Then it was put back on as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Then it was pulled off the board. Then it was put back on as a one, one-and-a-half, sometimes two. Nobody knew what to do because Dwayne Haskins decided to get a couple of lap dances. Dwayne, you know the song. There's none of that in the champagne room, right? We know that, Dwayne. But, look, he went out. He got a couple of lap dances. No mask on. Now, Ron Rivera, who, by the way, is a cancer survivor, probably bad immune system, he's got to deal with this guy. Well, you know what? He's got the right to wear no mask. Yes, he does. But wait a minute. But I don't. I didn't give it to see, see my family. Oh, but you weren't wearing a mask. You put the team in jeopardy. We're going to find you. I didn't like you anyway. But this is what's going on in the locker room, guys. So the Washington defense is a good defense, okay? The Washington offense has all kinds of problems, and now you have problems in there. Haskins threw 55 passes last week in a run-first team. So they already had problems, but now you have division and problems in that locker room. That's an issue. Now comes in one of my favorite trends in all of sports, in all of sports, and that is Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Covers. That's what his name is, okay? Teddy Bridgewater as an underdog in his career, 23 and 5. Let me say that again. Teddy Bridgewater getting points in his career is 23 and 5 against the spread. It's phenomenal. The best covering percentage for an underdog ever. Ever. Teddy Bridgewater is the best quarterback as an underdog in the history of the NFL. Carolina, by the way, they've covered 8 of 10 when they've been an underdog this season. So it's carrying over. Carried over from his first stint with Minnesota, carried over to New Orleans. Now it's carrying over to Carolina. As a road underdog, ah, he's even better. Bridgewater's 19-2 and against the spread. As a road underdog. And overall, it doesn't really matter, right? Teddy, he's going to win games. 35-13 against the spread, including the playoffs, in his career. So we have a spot where Washington is this hyped-up team. Oh, they're going to play well. They're going to win the division. Washington's rolling. Washington's at home. Washington, Washington, Washington. And Carolina comes in and goes, we're well-coached. We have a quarterback that knows how to win as an underdog. We have a quarterback that knows how to win on the road. And no one's given us credit. I'm eyeing Carolina in this game. Chicago, Jacksonville. Oh, Mitch Trubinsky. Ha, ha, ha. Let's make him the butt of all the jokes, right? Trubinsky's gone. The Bears didn't sign him to a 50-year deal. Every picture has Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Mitch Trubinsky. How did the Bears pitch Trubinsky? He's terrible. Well, Mitch Trubinsky has now had this offense score 30-plus points in the last three games. Mitch Trubinsky has eight touchdown passes in the last four weeks. Mitch Trubinsky, how's this offense rolling? And I'm not telling you that Mitch Trubinsky is Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but I'm telling you he might look like it against a pathetic, pathetic Jacksonville team. The Jaguars are 0-11 straight up. They're also 4-7 against the spread over those last 11 games. Against NFC teams, they're 3-20 straight up. Now, the Bears defense hasn't 
hasn't been what it was. But Jacksonville's offense, they're going back to Glennon, or they might be Minshew. You don't know. Is, are they going to flip-flop in the mid-game? James Robinson is banged up. Uh, you are looking at a position where people look at the Chicago Bears minus a 7, and they go, oh, it's Mitch Trubinsky. And they're not realizing, forget about the name of Mitch Trubinsky. Why don't you look at the accomplishments of what he's been? How about Giants, Baltimore, Ravens minus 11, and the line is a climbing. Baltimore, they've covered it four straight games. They finally look good. They're running the ball really effectively. And the Giants, look, you had a good year, Joe Judge, but you're dealing with Colt McCoy, Alfred Morris, and a bunch of collection of backups to backups out there right now. Lamar Jackson has never lost to an NFC team in his career. He's 9-0 and straight up. Now, he's only 4-5 and against the spread, which could be a concern because the Giants are 9-1 and against the spread of the past 10 games where they're double-digit underdogs. So the Giants might play close. I do love this. Joe Judge, by the way, took it upon himself to cancel Christmas. He's just canceling Christmas, man. And not in the way that idiot Andrew Cuomo and, and Newsom are trying to cancel Christmas. No, Joe Judge said, with all due respect to And by the way, if anybody ever starts off a sentence saying, by with all due respect, you know the hammer's coming, man. They're going to just, it's going to be awful. So he, Joe Judge says, with all due respect to Christmas, let's forget about Christmas for a little while and focus on the Ravens. I love that mentality as a football coach. Uh, but yeah, Joe Judge, he's got his mind in the right place, that's for sure. Houston, Cincinnati, Houston Texas. Houston's minus nine. What? Houston minus nine? What? I know that the Bengals are terrible. But the Bengals look good on Monday night, and I get it. Well, market correction, they look really good on Monday night. What's going to happen? Well, they're going to come down from the emotional high playing on Monday night. One less day to practice. They got a little banged up. I know Boyd got banged up in that game. Nine? Nine from the Texans? The Bengals have not won a game outside of Cincinnati in 20 straight games. Okay, so they're bad when they leave Cincinnati. But they're above 500 against the spread, and that's all we care about here. Do they win the game? I don't know. But I think they have a fighting chance to win that game. Nine from Houston? Did Houston suddenly get a defense? Right? Did Houston suddenly get a running game? Did Houston suddenly get healthy in the passing game? Because I love Deshaun Watson, but he's got nobody to throw the ball to. The Houston Texans are nine-point favorite. Houston hasn't put up more than 20 points in the last three games. Houston has allowed just a tremendous amount of points. Houston's wins, they have four wins on the season, okay? Jacksonville, big whoop, as they say. Oh, yeah, they did that twice. So out of the four wins, they've beaten Jacksonville twice. They beat the Patriots and absolutely no offense at home. And they beat the Lions, a last-place team. So they've beaten three... Or four terrible teams. I'm going to say, look, the Patriots are pretty terrible. Three terrible teams and one borderline terrible team. That's who they, they, they've beaten this year. Two of them are the name the Jaguars. Two of them are named Jaguars. And their games, look, they're not against the Bears. They didn't even play close. The Colts are a division rival. I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't get the nine points here at all when you beat Jacksonville by two in your last win. Denver, Chargers, this series is owned by Denver. Since the start of 2019, the Chargers are only 1-9 straight up against the AFC West, 1-4 against Denver in this spot. Now, the Chargers are more talented. Eckler, better than anybody Denver has. Herbert, clearly better. You look at Allen and Williams, better. Offensively, they are much better. And defensively, look, they are better. They're just not playing better. They're a poorly coached team. I can't lay money with the Chargers, not in this spot. Philly and Dallas. 
Well, the Eagles sort of own Dallas. They've won two straight, and the Cowboys didn't break double digits. Now, Dallas's offense looked really good last week. Really good last week. The Eagles looked good, too. Jalen Hurts looked very good. I don't believe that Jalen Hurts is the answer, the long-term answer, but he looks pretty good right now. And you bring back Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, who he went to twice in the end zone. You fantasy guys can pay attention to that. Uh, Miles Sanders run the ball effectively. The Cowboys also are terrible against the spread. They're 4-10 against the spread on the season. That's the worst in the NFL. But if they beat and cover the Eagles here, the Eagles will have the worst against the spread mark in the NFL, tied with Dallas. So it's not like a big discrepancy there. Peterson, by the way, 13-5 last four games of the season last couple of years. That's something. And you look at Jalen Hurts. Look. 338 yards passing, 63 yards rushing, four total touchdowns. That, those kind of numbers only put up once in 68 starts by Carson Wentz. I think you're picking and choosing when you put out these numbers. This is a spot where I see the world loading up on Philly. And the line went from a pick to minus two, two and a half by Philly. The world loves Philly. I think it's a dangerous spot for Philly. That doesn't mean that they can't win it. just means it's a dangerous spot. How about a dangerous spot for Seattle? Seattle is at home. Basically, this is playing for the division. They're taking on the Rams. Seattle looks good. Everything's fixed in Seattle, especially the defense. I mentioned it last week, and that's why, you know, the under between Washington and Seattle was a big play for me. Um, You look at this defense. They've allowed 15, 3, 17, 17, 21, 23. All of a sudden, the defense is good. And they look the competition. They played the Jets, Giants. Neither one of them have a quarterback. Washington doesn't have a quarterback. The Eagles at the time didn't have a quarterback, but they did hold the Cardinals to twenty-one and the Rams only to twenty-three. So, you know, the defense all of a sudden seems fixed. The problem is, go back to that Rams number and what I just said. Sean McVay owns Pete Carroll in this division. It's really weird because San Francisco was underdogs twice this year. They beat up on. Uh, McVay and Shannon owns McVay. But McVay owns Pete Carroll. The Rams are 5 and 1 straight up the last 6 games that they've played. And in the last 6 games that they have played, the Rams offense is averaging 32 points per game. They've already beat them 23-16. They were 3 point favorite there the Rams. The Rams are a team that they're not afraid to travel to Seattle in this spot. There's no fan in the stands. That is not a big deal. The Rams just what would the number have been if they didn't have a massive letdown last week? I mean, what what would the number have been? Well, I looked into it. The number would have been the Rams being favorite on the road against Seattle probably by a decent amount. I'm talking about two, three points. So this is a massive shift. Why? Because the Rams lost focus against the Jets. That's what happened. But the Rams do. Look, they've been playing close games all along. They just own Seattle. I think the question that you have to come into this game with is do you believe that the Los Angeles Rams are going to be able to put together an offensive game plan to take advantage of a defense in Seattle that has massive flaws but looks like they have corrected a lot of them? They look like they corrected a lot of their flaws on defense. Uh, We're talking about, of course, Adams is rushing the passer and he's getting sacks and all that. It looks like they fixed a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of that credit has to go to Pete Carroll. Sean McVay on the other side seems to have his number. So we're looking at this in a lot of division rival type of games. The spread is basically pick them. Today, we look at Seattle and we go, Seattle's a Super Bowl contender. If the Rams beat them 
all of a sudden the Rams leapfrog him. That's how close we are in the NFC. That's why I wanted to bring up some of those odds. But that's all into the future, so let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the the future. Bet to the future. Oh, we're talking about coaching. We're talking about McVay and Carowell. Let's continue with that. The theme of coach of the year. These odds are strange, and we're going to get into them. First of all, Mike Tomlin is still leading the way. Still barely over Brian Flores at plus 450. Ron Rivera plus 490. Kevin Stefanski plus 700. I think there's a lot of value there. Andy Reid 10 to 1. McDermott 11 to 1. Sean Payton 16 to 1. LaFleur 21 to 1. McVay, who he mentioned, 21 to 1. Frank Reich 24 to 1. Vrabel. 31 to 1. That is bet to the future. You know, coach of the year is always always an interesting thing because uh you know, it fluctuates so much when teams get hot. I mean, I can't believe Tomlin's still at the top here. It's remarkable. There's 0% chance you should put any money on Mike Tomlin. He's not winning the award. Let me just go out here and say that now. Mike Tomlin is not winning coach of the year. I don't care if he wins the next two games by 50 points. Mike Tomlin is not winning coach of the year. They don't like to give it to guys like that. Like, oh, okay, you know what? Uh, on national TV, you lost to the, to the friggin' Bengals. It, it's not going to happen, okay? Rabel, 31-1. to 1. Frank Reich, eh, they're not doing it. I mean, they should probably be in the conversation. First of all, there's not a clear-cut winner even in that division as of right now. They should probably be in the conversation, especially Frank Reich, who's doing this with, with Phillip Rivers. But they're not truly in the conversation. Sean McVay. Uh, Matt Floor, both 21 to 1. Again, I don't think either one of them was serious. Look, look, McVay will not win this award with losing to the New York Jets. You can't have losing to the Jets on your resume and win this award. And LaFleur, for better or for worse, look, Matt LaFleur walked into a job where he had Aaron Rodgers. Okay. He also walked into a job where he had Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Sean Payton won't win it because the Saints are good, but, you know, they lost big games. Sean McDermott should get a lot of recognition. And at 11 to 1, he's better than Andy Reid at, at this award. Okay, he should be. Um, Ron Rivera, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I think he's the feel-good guy. So to me, it comes down to three. It comes down to Brian Flores, a plus 450, who's basically leading the charge. Kevin Stefanski, who's getting a lot of push lately at plus 700. And McDermott at 11-1. to 1. Here's what I'm thinking about uh, basically what you're betting on if you are betting Coach of the Year. If the Dolphins make the playoffs, Brian Flores wins this award. But the Dolphins have two games left. They got to beat Vegas and the, in Vegas, and they have to go on the road and beat McDermott the last week. And they still might not get in. Okay, if the Dolphins get in, Brian Flores is going to be coach of the year at plus four fifty. I'm not sure the Dolphins get in. Kevin Stefanski at plus seven hundred has a lot of intrigue. But I think you have to look at Kevin Stefanski and you have to say, can Cleveland close this thing out? Because Cleveland right now is a 10-4 and team. They get the Jets, and then they get the Steelers. Okay? They're 10-4 and in this spot. But how can you argue that they he should get it over, uh, you know, a McDermott? And that's who I'm looking at with McDermott. Look, if the Buffalo Bills can win these last two games, and neither one of them are, are layups, at Patriots and then Miami in the last week. That might mean more than Miami than anybody. If McDermott's sitting there with a 13-win team, how can you give it to Cleveland? But McDermott doesn't have that, that, that oh, wow, that huge win on his 
docket, right? So you start to get into kind of that situation of of who uh, deserves it and then who will they vote for. I mean, that's that's really what you're looking at. I think McDermott 11 to 1 has a lot of value. I do. I think McDermott 11 1 offers the best value, but I think Stefanski's the guy everybody wants to win it. So it's hard to go against the want. All right, guys, two games left on the board, and we will talk about McDermott here. The two primetime games Tennessee, Cleveland. I mentioned earlier that Pittsburgh Indy could be the game of the week, but this is reality. And the reality is that Tennessee Green Bay is the game of the week. Okay. You have two teams that. If Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, you'd be talking about this as being a, a potential Super Bowl matchup. Now, I don't know if Tennessee could get by Kansas City or Buffalo or Pittsburgh or anybody, uh, but they have the momentum. This is a game, though, where we've seen pretty massive money coming in on the other side, and that's on Tennessee. This line opened up as the Packers minus four and a half. It's down to three. It's hard to see the public load up on an underdog on the road in Lambeau prime time because there are just numbers that are hard to go against first of all you're betting against Aaron Rodgers and you guys all know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers but you're betting against Aaron Rodgers in December at Lambeau Aaron Rodgers in December in Lambeau is 20 and 2 17 and 5 against the spread in this case spread probably won't matter too much 20 and 2 that's what you're betting against if you take Tennessee that's what you're betting against Aaron Rodgers at home for his career, 57 and 33. You have the Packers with an extra day's rest. I know everyone's going to look at the Carolina game and go, yeah, Packers haven't looked good. And I just ripped them apart. I told you they have no schedule. They play nobody. Tennessee's defense is terrible. Tennessee's defense. We could sit back and have visions of Derrick Henry running like crazy. Oh, Henry's going to abuse this Packers defense. And for you Packers fans out there, stop with the nonsense. Oh, the Packers have the 11th best rushing defense in the NFL. Yeah, they do, but nobody rushes against them because they're always playing catch-up. But anyway, the Tennessee defense is bad. They almost let the Lions come back, right? Outside of the Jaguars, let up 41 to the Browns. 26 to the Colts, 25 to the Lions, 24 to the Ravens. Their defense is a sieve. And against good passing quarterbacks, because, look, the Lions, I like Stafford. The whole team's banged up. Jaguars don't have a quarterback. The Browns, right now, Mayfield is playing like an elite quarterback. He put up 41. You can't say Rivers or Lamar Jackson or, or even Trubinsky. You know, no, none of them. Bengals and Steelers, Roethlisberger. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to Deshaun Watson, elite quarterback, right? Put up 36. So, you know, the, this Tennessee team is just a team. When they caught the Bills kind of napping, that was their statement. But if you really go back and you look at this defense, it's a bad defense. I fully expect Aaron Rodgers to have a field day out there. So while you're going to go out there and bank on Derrick Henry to go really run wild and go crazy, do it, man. I, I, be, I believe you put him in every lineup. DFS lineups, I'll pay him. I think Derrick Henry's going to have a field. I don't care about Green Bay's rushing. I think Derrick Henry has a great game. I think Tannehill has a good game. Brown has a good game. Right? You have plenty of guys on this team that could go out there and have good games offensively. But we're talking about Aaron Rodgers picking apart a pathetic Tennessee defense. And that's what I call them. I think they're pathetic. I think this is, a, this is the one thing holding them back. If they were mediocre, if they were middle of the road, 
I would say Tennessee could actually go to the Super Bowl. That's how good I think their offense can be. But they're not. They're not a good defense. And this is one of those games where if I am a Tennessee fan, I'm scared to watch Aaron Rodgers dissect this team. They went out in the the offseason and said, look, we don't have anybody that can rush the passer. How do we fix this? How do we fix going after somebody? They didn't do it. They tried, and they failed miserably. They're in the bottom of the league in sacks. I mean, thankfully, Jacksonville is worse than them, but they're in the bottom of the league in sacks. So not only are you going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's at home, Aaron Rodgers, who wants to keep on that number one overall seed, Aaron Rodgers with an extra day off, but you're going to give him all day back there? All day to drink a little hot chocolate, sing a little uh, Christmas tale, you know, sit back in his rocking chair and just pick you apart? And that's what's going to happen. Coincidentally, this number's 56, the total. You know, you kind of have to go over or nothing. Now, I don't love it at 56 because it is a massive number. And I do think that Tennessee will have an effective running game. I do think that the game plan for Tennessee, Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches. You just heard the odds. The game plan for Tennessee is going to be, all right, you know what? Lower our head. Keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. Let's run the ball. So I'd be afraid to go near the over. But I'm not that afraid. That'll tell you something. All right, let's go and talk about Buffalo, New England on Monday night. Because I think a lot of people are kind of throwing this game away as not a huge game. And it's a huge game. It's a huge game for the Buffalo Bills. And it's an even bigger game for the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots are out of the playoffs. They've been eliminated. Bill Belichick has never really experienced this. This is a new changing of the guard. The Buffalo Bills are the changing of the guard. Buffalo, 11-3. and three. They have a chance for the number one overall seed. They won't get it because Kansas City is not going to lose two games. But, okay, they want to at least keep the two seed home field until you got to go to Kansas City. Oh, that's pretty big. They already have the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. They do have a little bit of a tough schedule, but they feel like, okay, got to win here on Monday night. Forget about all of that. What this is about is slaying the dragon, beating the demon, and the demon in this case is Gillette Stadium. The Bills open up as a favorite. It's the sixth time in 42 matchups with Belichick that they are the favorite. Are you kidding me? The Buffalo Bills are never supposed to beat New England. Never. Oh, and in Gillette Stadium? It's the first time ever in 21 years that the Bills are favored in New England. The first time in 21 seasons. Do you know how long that? I mean, they play twice a year. This is insane. They never are supposed to go up there. So this line opens at four and a half. Jumps to six quickly. It's at seven and a half in some spots. People say, I don't care about history. New England's terrible. And I've been the first one to say Cam Newton is terrible. And you got the good. Look, the Bills are 9-5 against the spread on the season. That's the best, second best mark in the NFL. Josh Allen, 12-5-2 against the spread on the road in his career. Oh, he's a good road quarterback. The Bills are covered in six straight games. Longest streak in the NFL. So why not take all that Christmas money that Uncle Joe and, and you know, Aunt Young gave you and run to the ticket window and say, Give me the Bills! i got to crush them. Well, since hiring Sean McDermott in 2017, the Bills are 1-6 straight up against the Patriots. Josh Allen is 1-3 against the Patriots. And... With a little help from our friend Dave Sharapin, I got this little information. Because he's saying, nobody knows anything. And I'm paraphrasing because he used a different word. Nobody knows anything about New England. Two weeks ago, the public was on, well, the Sharps and the public together were on the Chargers. Last week, they had New England against the Rams. 
Two weeks ago, they had Miami. Uh, New England against Miami. Three straight weeks, nobody knows anything. The Sharps and the public are both on the same side, and they can't get a New England game right. This is a dangerous game. And I think that this is a precedent-setting game. From the mindset of the Bills, hey, we've accomplished all we need to accomplish this year during the regular season. We won the division. That was our goal. We kept saying all year long, win the division, win a playoff game, sure. But along the way, don't you have to really, truly slay the beast? Yeah, we beat New England, but we get them prime time. Everyone's home from school. Everyone's off of work this week. We get to show the world this is our division now. This is our time. This is our time, and watch what we can do. That's where the Bills' mentality is. This is a game everybody on this team will get up for. I can't promise that in Week 17 against Miami. I can't promise that. But everyone's going to get up for this game. Everyone's going to be pumped. We want a statement game. Win in Gillette. We never win there. We never beat Belgium. We're going to go and do it. Watch what we do. Remember, when they beat New England earlier in the year, they celebrated like it was a Super Bowl. They love that idea. Now to do it in New England on prime time. But you have the flip side of the coin. And while the public runs to Josh Allen and the public runs to Buffalo, you have the flip side of the coin. Bill Belichick's entire season this year is garbage. It's garbage. It's lit on fire, dumpster fire. Bill Belichick is being questioned. He's being questioned about his quarterback, what's going on, players on the team. Bill Belichick is watching the ascension of Miami as a playoff team in his division. The ascension of Buffalo as the next great team in this division. He's watching the ascension of the New York Jets. Oh, wait a minute. They might get a quarterback. And, oh, I'm sitting here, and I don't know what's going on. New England wants to prove a point. And Belichick wants to say, yeah, you know what? You had a nice run, kid, but I'm still here. And I'm going to beat you with backups to backups. I'm going to beat you with a less-than-average team, and I'm going to defend this home turf. Division game, more than a touchdown, prime time in Belichick's house? This is a dangerous game to take Buffalo. And I'm only saying that because I see all the money coming in on Buffalo. Be careful. Be very, very careful here. All right, guys, I want you to make sure that uh, you have a safe holiday, you enjoy it, but there is a lot of time here that we can make some money. And to go out there and make some money, we're in a position where the NFL, of course, is going to be there. The NBA starting to come up, college basketball. We got the news about the NHL on the horizon. So you have all that. But this is also bowl season. And bowl season is a point where so many people make the mistake of not realizing a lot of the under-the-ground kind of things. If you look at teams and during the bowl season, how these teams are going to play out, well, that's why you have to listen to Wagering Week. It, next week, it's going to be our big podcast, our bowl game podcast. We're going to release it on Monday morning, so you can go out there and check it out. There's a lot of guys opting out this year because of COVID. There's a lot of coaching changes, uh, assistant coaching changes, guys deciding not to play anyway. These are massively impactful. And one of the, the look, talking to sports book directors, one of the biggest times that the sports books clean up is on bowl games because the public thinks they know and they just don't know. That's why I'm going to navigate you through it. That's why I'm going to take you through it. Make sure you listen to him. Subscribe to us if you like the podcast. Anywhere podcasts can be heard, make sure you listen in next week on Monday. Go click on Wagering Week next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back. And you can bet on that. 
This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.